Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble! That is, if I have any money left after my Packers uh, puked all over themselves on Sunday night. Ooh. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm with Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, and Schaefer the Sharp. Drew, Schaefer, Crookston, and we are doing a show that we don't normally do, a recap show. We're recapping the games that just happened on Sunday. San Fran versus Green Bay, Kansas City versus Tennessee, KC and San Fran are meeting in the Super Bowl. We will have a huge Super Bowl show coming for you next week, but right now we're going to break down the death of my Packers. And we have a guest coming on, a big-time guest, a big-time guest. A big, 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 large guest. I'm very excited for this guest. It's a great interview. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. That's coming at the end of the show. But first, guys, before we talk about the recaps, I have a very funny bit of news for you. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but Mr. Joe Judge, new head coach of the New York Football Giants, coming from your Patriots dangles. He's hired Jason Garrett to be a part of his team. Yes. The clapper is back in the NFC East, but that's not it, New York Giants fans. If you guys had any had any hope, if you were worried at all about the next season of the Giants, not only do you have Joe Judge, not only do you have Jason Garrett, but it's now rumored that Mr. Freddie Kitchens is getting a job in New York. Shut up. In That's New York. True. That is very, That is very not true. true. Mr. Freddie Kitchens right now is being rumored to join after one year of being the Browns head coach. Kitchens and Joe Judge worked together at Mississippi State in 2005. This is multiple sources co- uh, confirming that Freddie Kitchens will be a part of the New York Giants. Oh, my God. Wow. I, Tony, you said you had a surprise for me. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even speak. My, yeah. my This spit guard on my mic's going to just get wet right now. Freddie Kitchens would get another job He's after back. that I thought he was doing. A, I thought fire. he was working at Cabela's full time. I would have told you. No, he was selling beef jerky. You oh you, you were the one who God. came up with that. Hey, man. That, <laughs> is, uh, that is unbelievable. His another, face looks like it's been stung by a thousand you, wasps. Can you imagine? All right, all right. You have, you have Daniel Jones, who's a young guy. Saquon Barkley's a young guy. They're going to listen to their coaches. But if you have a guy like Golden Tate, who is a veteran in here, he's played for a million coaches. If he goes in on day one and he sees Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens trying to tell him what to do, I don't know if that's going to be good. I don't know if that's going to work out. Wow. What are we doing? Uh, As a Giants fan, you know, and we know plenty of them, can you imagine an offseason where it's like, uh, wh- you know, what coaching moves did you make? Well, we got Joe Judge. Yeah, we I got like Jason it. Garrett. Uh, we got Freddie Kitchens. Oh, no. Holy shit. Oh, no. Oh, my God. My God. That's, that's, like, that's, like, that's like going to the store and buying a bunch of stuff and then realizing when you got home that you picked up all the wrong brands and nothing that your wife actually needed you to pick up. I think Joe Judge is smart. I think he's hiring fall guys. I think, you know, if they could do bad this season, <laughs> well, listen. Bold strategy we're, there. We're going to cut Freddie Kitchens and Jason Garrett. We're going to be better. We're going to be better. He's already hiring people to take the fall for him. I like it. But let's talk about the fall from grace that my Packers had. Okay. My Packers, 14-3, and by week team. I've loved every second of it. I, I, I – was not confident in the game, but I was definitely feeling good about the game entering the season. Obviously, I was excited, hoping upon, upon hope, dreaming that they'd make the Super Bowl again. Aaron Rodgers won final ride, and guys, it, yeah, it didn't happen. did not happen. I mean, you mostly have Raheem Mostert to blame. Right? Uh, yeah. 220 yards, four touchdowns for a guy who up until this season wasn't a blip on anybody's radar. Unbelievable. You know, cut Great by, story for him. Cut by a bunch of different teams. Talks about after the game how he still keeps those cut dates as a as a motivator. Three times uh, Aaron Rodgers was sacked. Two interceptions. Yeah. Once they recovered uh, a fumble for him. Yeah. Uh, his stat line did not tell the full tale of what his game actually was. He also didn't get it going. But Now, if you guys follow our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Left Coast Gamblers, we're all over the place. You might have seen a little video of me. 
leaving the NFC Championship party that I was attending with you two idiots. I left yes. after that Aaron first Aaron Rodgers uh, interception at the end of the first half. I had, I had about had it. It was 20 to nothing. It was 27 to nothing before I got in my Uber. I defend the stance of leaving early. What do you guys have to say about me departing? Look, I just think you should ride it through with your team. Um, mm. I think I think that uh, that's just how you should ride it out. If they're going to lose by a lot, sure, they're going to lose by a lot. But you, you know, I think you should be there. I know some people like to watch those kinds of games in solitude as well. Yeah. I understand people have their reasons for doing it. Uh, I just think you should stick by your team through. Uh huh. Uh huh. Honest assessment from Shea for the Sharp. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, why would you even be in that in our, our presence to be heckled, to be made fun of? To I was sitting next to you. I have money on the San Francisco 49ers. Of course I do. I'm trying to be respectful because you're my friend, Tony. Yeah. Even though we butt heads, you're my buddy. Come on, man. I was trying to keep my mouth shut. So selfishly, you're a dick for even showing up to that game because <laughs> I couldn't even cheer for my goddamn team. So, like, because I was rooting for San Francisco. Yeah. I'm talking to Brian the Ballerina Balzerini. Yeah. Of course, we're Lions fans. We don't know what it's like to win a playoff game, yeah. let alone be in an NFC Championship exactly. game. And we were debating, would we go to a watch party that, you know, has some some mute some 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 neutral fans yeah. and some fans on the other side? And I think by the end of the conversation, I convinced him a resounding hell no. You go and have a watch party with everyone that is on your side, on mm. your team, mm-hmm. so you can you, you can enjoy the misery. Misery enjoys company. Yeah. You can just you, you know, you can mourn with your brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, you know, yeah. on the death of your savior, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So um I was I commend you, first of all. Uh, nothing but class from Tony Cavallo, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing but class. He didn't whine. He didn't piss. Uh, he kept a good attitude. I com- no, he just I, left the party early. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I commend you. Would you not argue that that could be considered poopy pantsism? I, you he know, was being I, a bit I, of a poopy I, pants. I, 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 I disagree because I don't think I'd put myself in the situation in the first place. I think how he handled it was very classy. Now, he did leave, and as sometimes will happen, just, you know, gambler's luck, uh, his team – ironically, shockingly, in the fourth quarter was one possession away from even covering. Yes, they were. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to fault you for leaving. I just, you know, game of that stakes, watch it with Packers fans. Multiple reasons why I left. Obviously, the Packers were playing like shite. Obviously, I had to sit with people who were rooting for the 49ers and my buddies. Well, your buddies are always going to throw rocks at you when you're down. That's why they're your buddies. They're there to pick you up, at least. I don't know about Dangles would have, but someone would have picked me up. The thing is, though, multiple reasons why I had to leave. One of them is, guys, you got to change the juju sometimes. Sure. Sometimes you got to change the scenery. Sometimes you got to go for a walk. Sometimes it's it's you who's losing this game for the Packers. So I had to leave, and they did do better once I got home. Second time, and this I, I realized as I was entering, and I should have taken more heed to this, the last time I watched an NFC Championship game at the house we were at, mm. it was Green Bay versus the Atlanta Falcons. Same thing happened. Matt Ryan came out yeah. and just whipped his... Dick across our faces, and I also <laughs> left that party early because I was with people rooting for the Falcons. So the venue, he pissed the so, you. So I, will, I will never, ever, ever watch an NFC Championship game with my team in it at that house again. The man who owns the house knows who he is. I will yes. never be that at that place again with my Green Bay team in it. I, I, we've had good mo- memories there, just not in NFC Championship games. I will not be there anymore. Tony, have you have you actually come to terms with Jimmy Garoppolo as six of eight for seventy seven yards, and you I got have. beat by seventeen? I have. It's Raheem Mostert, man. Mike Pettin. I mean, he's not going to have a job at this point next season. But I will say this to the two of you, and I, this is the time I, I'm going to complain. I'm going to have my moment here to sort of put a bow on the Packers. You deserve it. Sure. I have to say, since I have been a fan of football, I have had. Every single season 
a Super Bowl winning quarterback by my side. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, every season they played in the jersey, had a chance to win the Super Bowl. And every year, except for one or two, we have come up short. And I have to say, Dangles, you don't know anything about this because you're a Patriots fan and they win most of the times they're in it. Drew, you, the Cleveland Browns, all those teams that are shitty don't know anything about this because your teams never get there. I would much rather be a Detroit Lions fan the past 20 years than I would be a Green Bay fan because of this. It hurts so much to come so close and not get there. And every year, to have the chance to do it, and for whatever reason, may it be injuries, may it be bad coaching, may it be bad matchups, may it be Colin Kaepernick throwing a ball to Micah Hyde that he hits him in the stomach and he drops it. It hurts so much to not have your team finish the job. Again, I was happy to be there. I said it last week. I, I was content with a 14-3 season under the first head coach, but again it goes down as another year in Aaron Rodgers' legacy where he does not make a Super Bowl and does not bring one home to Titletown. It hurts so much to be a Green Bay fan year after year after year, but we love it, and that's why we continue doing it. I really have no comment on that. Um, this show clearly is not a political program, but I'm going to make a political statement. <laughs> the last time the Lions hosted a playoff game, Game, George H. Bush was in office. Yeah. So be careful what you wish for, Tony Squares. Losses. I'd rather be a Packer. Losses. I'd rather be a Lions fan than a Packers. Listen. It is a curse, my friend. We have not won a playoff game since I was six years old. Yeah, but when you go to the playoffs, aren't you so happy with Glee that they even made the playoffs? I expect the playoffs. I expect the NFC Championship. I expect the Super Bowl every year, and to not get what I want every single year, it hurts. Do you know what I would give? I feel like this is like a, this is like a Chucky and Will hunting moment. Do you know what I would give to have Bleacher Report repost me walking out of a watch party? <laughs> Do you know what I would give? I'll fucking kill you, bro. bro. If we're here in 20 years, I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. Listen, losses in January hurt a lot more than losses in September. Dangles, what do you have to say? Just that you guys have a bright future. I would say silver lining. Looking ahead, you've got a great young head coach who's only got years ahead of him. You've got um, an excellent defense that you built this year and I can assume is only going to get better with, with time going forward. Aaron Rodgers certainly the question mark, but they... You guys have a lot going for you right well, now, so just so, try, man. just but trying to get you on the silver lining track. You know, look ahead, maybe not backwards. And can I say, just reading in between the lines of the post game comments from the Packers from Aaron Rodgers, they kind of seemed happy to be there. My like, yeah, uh, my opinion, absolutely. It was definitely an overachieving season. Rodgers' window, uh, he apparently thinks it's not closing anytime yeah. soon. Lafleur, you know, for all intents and purposes, obviously performed. Really, can't argue with his wins or losses. So, you know, I would agree with Dangles. Reasons to be uh, optimistic. Optimistic, but in case you don't know, the Lions have the third pick in the draft. I'm a little bit worried about the free agents we have to sign. I'm a little bit worried about us having a late draft pick. I'm wondering when we draft a quarterback because you know it's coming somewhere down the line. I'm wondering if it's this year if one of those first-round guys drops. But Packers are dead. We'll be talking about San Fran versus Kansas City next week in our huge Super Bowl podcast. Before we get to our guests, though, let's put a cap on an unbelievable run by the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, by the way, not only is Ryan Tannehill a free agent, Derrick Henry is a free agent. Could you see Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill not being able to come back to Tennessee? What if what if someone like the San Diego Chargers comes in and pays Derrick Henry the highest contract for in uh for running back? Well, here's my hot take for this guys: Is there any kind of method to the madness that the Titans just running Henry literally into the ground? We know we know what running backs do after the age of 30. Yep. I think Henry's about 26. Obviously, he's not close to 30. But this, you know, Mo Raheem Mostert. He's been pa he's been cut by six teams. Look what he did. Yep. 
I am really, really curious, especially after the season King Henry had, if the Titans are going to back up the Brinks truck for his services. Yep. Because I guarantee you a team, i.e. the Jets and Le'Veon Bell, yep. will swoop in and make maybe an offer King Henry can't refuse. I'm interested in this, guys. I'm very, I'm very interested. interested because I just think what – what the rushing attack in the NFL has has evolved into is by committee. Yep. You can find you know you can find hidden uncut gems, hidden yep. gems. And man, you know I was critical of, of 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 the Browns not taking Saquon Barkley number one overall when it happened. But it's kind of hard to justify taking running back in the first round nowadays. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to old King Henry. I think it's a man you got to pay though. At the at the end of the day, this is a potentially generational talent. If what we see this year is the real Derrick Henry, and if he can continue this kind of production again you know and I've said it before on this show I just worry that that level of success that we've seen from him is just not sustainable on a consistent basis you can't just continue to run at that pace and not suffer injuries and not see some sort of regression I do think we'll see regression next year I think there are going to be a lot of people who draft him very early in fantasy and he might not put up uh, quite the numbers that people are expecting we saw it from certain players this year Patrick Mahomes being one of them Um, but I still think he's guy you have to he's got to be a top like if i'm the titans he's my top priority who i'm giving a contract i have a quick question too regardless of what team they sign with who do you think makes more money next year ryan Tannehill or derrick henry Derrick Henry. no Tannehill easily i mean quarterbacks always get paid more but uh, who's uh, i understand Tannehill had a great run he led a team I to think, the AFC Championship, but I don't know if I'm going to pay him $20 million I'm not going to pay him I think Tannehill could get a Kirk Cousins contract, three years and $75 million. Yeah. I really do. Three years, $75 million, and I think Henry I, – I mean, I, this is going to be a fascinating offseason, but I, 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 would, I would make a wager. I'll put, a, I'll put a pizza bet with any of you fools that Ryan Tannehill gets ga- more guaranteed money on his contract than Derrick Henry. That just mm. seems like a lot of money to me to pay to someone who, frankly, stumbled into being good this year, like – Brian Tannehill just fell I agree. That's, into that's a true. situation. Kirk that's Cousins has three years, $75 million guaranteed on his contract. Ryan Tannehill did not stumble into a good situation. Ryan Tannehill was great this year. Ryan Tannehill was, he was the great. best he has ever been this no, year. No, I'm not saying he stumbled into a good situation. He just simply stumbled into stumbled into being good. He just happened know, to be good this year. Yeah, he definitely happened to be good this year. Correct, but he was he was don't don't fault him for what he did. He was great. If this he year. goes and does it again next year, then I'll say okay. Now I have it's not just oh he took this offense yeah. over and whatever and it was it was that time and that place and they were riding the emotion. If he can come back after a season off and let's say he and Derrick Henry both stay and they bring this offense back and they do the same thing last year, then I'll go okay now this guy is worth Kirk Cousins money I like it it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up on our QB rankings coming after the Super Bowl a podcast my favorite podcast of the year the left coast is QB rankings but first let's get to our guest I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview and uh remember we'll be coming back for the Super Bowl week with even more oh god I'm so excited for the Super Bowl week I'm so excited it's gonna be a great game Kansas City versus San Fran but first a little word from our sponsors Are you a true American like me? Do you wake up and wonder, when will the next MLB season begin? Do you sit anxiously by the dinner table waiting for the hot stove to serve up some juicy deals? Do you have season tickets to your hometown team's AA affiliate? If that sounds familiar, then boy do I have a podcast for you. Touching Base with Alan and Eric is the nation's premier MLB podcast. Dishing all the necessary news you need and the go-to guide for all 162 glorious games. And unlike today's version, this podcast only has one true outcome... 
pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're out at the bar, don't strike out talking ball with your boys, but rather hit a home run with the facts by listening to Touching Base with Alan and Eric, available on SoundCloud and Instagram. That's Touching Base with Alan and Eric, the five-tool podcast prospect that every scout needs. Hey, now, better come on now. Right, here we go, Come on, Hey, this is Dangles from the Left Coast Gamblers. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave us a review. Leave us five stars if you like what you hear. Five seconds of your time is five new listeners for us. You can also find us on Twitter, at Left Coasters Pod, and on Instagram and Facebook by searching The Left Coast Gamblers. And we hope you'll check out our pages each week for new contests, live tweeting and posting on NFL Sundays, behind-the-scenes content, content and more ways to engage with the show and make you money and as always thank you for listening and welcome back to the left coast gamblers tony cavallo matthew dangles d'angelo antonio schaefer the sharp drew schaefer crooks and as i said we have a lovely guest coming in to break down the super bowl a little bit early it's bye week and we're going right into it but as we said last week we could not break these games down alone we had to bring in a big guest a big guest he was drafted in 1998 in the seventh round at pick number 199 that's the tom brady slot dangles out of san diego state by the atlanta falcons this six foot seven behemoth proceeded to start all 19 games his rookie season protecting quarterback Chris Chandler and opening up holes for that dirty bird Jamal Anderson as his Falcons went 14 and 2 and found themselves in the Super Bowl which made our guest the youngest player to start in the NFL's final showdown he went on to play for 13 seasons, making stops in Denver, Jacksonville, Houston, and for Schaefer the Sharp, shitty Detroit Lions. Hey. You can find him now broadcasting on Fox Sports 1, but most importantly, he and teammate Chester Pitts were the first team ever to do so poorly on the amazing race that they were eliminated at the airport. So please welcome to the show, big number 74, Ephraim Salam. Thank you. I was with you all the way up until the last <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> we had to get a dig in there. Before we we start talking about the Super Bowl, my friend. I do have a question for you. You played in those five cities, Denver, Jacksonville, Houston, Detroit, and, of course, Atlanta. I want to know, what city had the best post-game meal? Oh, um, <laughs> so for, for post-game meals, like if you're at home, you would just go to whatever restaurant you go to. Yeah. So you only really got post-game meals when you're on the road. And that always consisted of pizza or chicken. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> That's all you needed. I can tell you it probably wasn't in Jacksonville. For my three years there, it probably was not. It probably wasn't in Jacksonville. <laughs> oh, no. That was awful. I was contemplating doing something else. Jacksonville and Detroit had me thinking about other things to do with my life. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Ephraim, as uh, Tony said, I am uh, a diehard Detroit Lions fan. I apologize. Oh, you had to put up them, uh, put up with them for a year. Um, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's, let's talk about that. Please, please. I got there in 2009. Jim Schwartz had just come over. Mm. Uh, you guys had just went 0-16 yes. the year prior. Yes. And when I got there, and I had been in the league – I'm going to say I was in the league. I had been in the league 11 years, so that was my 12th year. Yeah. And when I got there and those guys, Dominic Rayola and Jeff Backus and all of these guys who had been there their entire career, they never really got to experience what the NFL really is. Mm. And I felt bad for them because it was so depressing. Mm. Like guys would just come to work and then go home. Sure. Go to the games and go home. And so much the, the the fun part 
the most exciting part about the NFL is how you are received in your city and the things you have the uh, opportunity to do. And they didn't have any of that in Detroit. Mm. And I felt bad because, look, what's an exciting job if you don't ever get to experience the excitement of it? And the only way you can really experience the excitement is to win at least once. <laughs> just one winning season. Just uh, just drag yourself into the postseason one time. Oh, God. I was in college during that uh, that undefeated season, uh, quote-unquote undefeated <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was a rough one. And I'm sure Dom, you know, uh, Rayola is, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy. But towards the end of his career, we used to say he looked like he was on roller skates at center. Um, yeah, he was done. I mean, he, it was all. It, I mean, he gave you all of his good stuff early on, and then after that, what was the point? Exactly. Yeah. I know. I like that a lot. Let's talk about your trip though to the Super Bowl. You you played in Hard Rock Stadium. It was Pro Player Stadium back then. What's the Super Bowl week like in Miami? I mean, it's a great oh. city to be in. I can't imagine what it's like with all the fanfare. It probably is the best city to have the Super Bowl in, mm. in my opinion. I've gone to a lot of different Super Bowls. Uh, as a spectator, uh, after that initial run to yep. Miami, and just everything that Miami has to offer in terms of, well, let's start with the obvious, the beach, yep. the atmosphere, the weather, and then the women <laughs> that go with the beach, the atmosphere, and the weather. <laughs> and then – it's so spread out that you're never really stacked on top of each other unless you're on Ocean Boulevard mm. or Ocean Drive, you know, and that was just mayhem, but good mayhem. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just the, the festivities and activities that entire week, man, it was it was unbelievable. Me being a young man fresh out of college, mm. I, I just I couldn't even imagine in my wildest dream what that would be. So when I got there, the first thing I did was I rented, like I went right from the airport to the hotel, checked in, and I left and went to the exotic renter car place where I had already <laughs> reserved and a uh, Hummer, like the ragtop Hummer where you could take the top off. So I, I reserved a black Hummer for that entire week, and it was like, That's <laughs> I don't know, man, it like candy. And, and candy and kids, man. <laughs> it, it was it was out of control. Well, how do you not feel like a badass rolling up and down South Beach in a black Hummer with the top down your first year out of college? Hey, I'm in the Super Bowl. Like That's exactly what I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> crazy because my brother was there with me, and then I had two of my college teammates who were also in the pros. Oz Akeem was playing for the Rams, and they went to the Super Bowl the next year. Mm -hmm. And then I had Will Blackwell, who was a receiver for the Steelers. So we were all down there. Young money, yep. no responsibilities, and nice. it was it was unbelievable. I can imagine those Miami women had no interest in NFL players there for Super Bowl week. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. They were all looking for CP, uh, CPAs and yeah, that's right. and you know. I can, I can ask about that because it's in Miami. Obviously, you have a lot of young players going to the Super Bowl for the first time with all the, the, the sort of nuances that are around them. Are the coaches and the teams a little bit worried that players might get a little bit out of hand? They might not be fully prepped for a practice or something like that? Or is it pretty much you guys are focused on winning the game? No, you you can get carried away now. Like yeah. So you you got, as a coach, you really, especially with young players, you really have to rein them in, right? You, got, you can't just let them you know, succumb to their own devices, right? Yeah. So we were playing against the Denver Broncos. They had gone the year prior. Yep. So they had already they already knew what was going on. And 
So they didn't really, they didn't even have a curfew. They had a lot of veteran guys on their team. Mm. We Atlanta Falcons hadn't even ever come close to the Super Bowl. And the first three days, I think we got there on that Monday. So Monday, Tuesday, we didn't have any curfew. And then when we really started the bulk of practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had a curfew. Saturday, we had curfew. Mm. So we had to be in the hotel room by 1030. <laughs> that had to be get tough. Everything you wanted to get. So the funny part is, I was like, "Hey guys, we got whatever we're doing. We got to leave. I got to get back in time for for uh, curfew." So they would drop me off at the hotel at about 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. I would go in, get some sleep. We're all standing. They had a big suite for me, and when I was getting up to go to practice the next day, they were coming in. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's how that's how aggressive that is. So I was getting up and leaving at like 8.30. They were just arriving back to the hotel. So, so Ephraim, you've talked about plenty of uh, off-the-field distractions. I want to take you back, your rookie year, uh, a date, January 17th, 1999. You guys played one of the best NFC Championship games oh. on, on record. Gary Anderson misses a little chip shot field goal to go up by 10. You guys go down the field, score the game-winning, uh, the game-tying touchdown, force it into overtime, and your boy Mort kicks the game-winner to send you to the Super Bowl. What is the hangover like in the, for, for the locker room, the coaches, the players, after that win? You guys are on such a high. How do you kind of, kind of reel back the reins and focus on the task at hand playing in the Super Bowl. Well, we, we didn't. That was the problem. <laughs> Got it. That game was our Super Bowl. Yeah. You got to remember at the time, uh, the Minnesota Vikings with uh, Randall Cunningham and yeah. Randy Moss mm. and Chris Carter <laughs> and, uh, you know, all of these. Robert Smith. Uh, Pepper, Robert Smith. And then that defense where they had, you know, John Randall. Mm-hmm. And they, they had all – I mean, they were – they at the time they had scored more points than any other team in the his, in the history of the NFL. Crazy, and it was like, you know, Randy Moss can't guard him. I, I mean, they scoring in bunches, and then you had the ragtag group of uh, misfit so- toy soldiers, yeah, in the Atlanta Falcons, and nobody gave us a chance to win that game. It was so bad <laughs> that they were selling Super Bowl packages at the stadium during the game. Uh, we were playing in the game, and the announcer would come over the the loudspeaker and say, hey, uh, you guys uh, come to Concourse F uh, between McDonald's (laughs) and and, and this uh, for your Super Bowl packages and, and like, the hotels. And, like, I was like, while we were playing in the game, (laughs) they had printed up papers. You guys were that far far in the in the rearview mirror as far as they were concerned they had newspapers printed at the game where fans were holding them saying the vikings are going to the super bowl (laughs) now correct me if i'm wrong am i mistaken were you guys 14 and 2 yes and no one gave you a chance you're 10 point underdogs i believe 14 and 2 and no one gives you a chance how does that feel as a player we loved it yeah we loved it because that was our whole season that Amazing. was our entire season. You started off, I think we started off uh, two and one. Then we had a bye. Ugh. And we won a couple games, won some games, and then went to uh, the Jets. The Jets beat up, beat up on us. Yeah. And then from that game, in that locker room, Jamal Anderson went crazy. And we just had a team meeting. And from that moment, we won 
11 straight games all the way up to the Super Bowl. That's unbelievable. Right? And so the mentality was we don't care about them. Yeah. We just care about us. Yeah. So when we got to that game, the the turning point in the game, and I don't know if you guys remember this, is they were they were handling in us early early in the game. Yeah. The first half was coming to an end. I believe they were up or fourteen three, something like that, and they had the ball with probably like a minute left. And they decided that they were gonna try to get more points. <laughs> Randall Cunningham drops back. Chuck Smith are all pro pro bowl defensive end beat Todd Stucy. Sack Randall Cunningham, sack fumble, we get the ball Uh-oh. and we score a touchdown. Uh. Going into half. So now it's like seventeen or fourteen to ten. When we went in that locker room, we knew we were gonna win the game. That was it. We knew for a fact we were gonna win that game. It wasn't even any loud noise or rah-rah. We just all knew that when we came out, we were going to win that game. If only my Packers could have made that play last Sunday against these San Fran 49ers, <laughs> I might have, I might be cheer, more cheerful than I am right now. Talking about this game right here, though, you have San Fran, you have Kansas City. I don't really think there's a, there's a nobody-believes-in-us factor in these games. Both these guys no. have been titans all year long. And do you think you were talking about how your team sort of wasn't – like they, they enjoyed the Miami life, they got ahead of themselves, they weren't prepping the, the way they should have for the Super Bowl. Do you think San Fran or KC ha- might have that in them? They might get a little bit too loose when they're in Miami, or do you think they're both going to be focused on this and no, I, I think they'll be locked in uh number one it's the first time in 50 years for kansas city so yeah. i'm sure it's being resonated through the building that hey look this is this is it this could be it for yep. the next 50 years absolutely so let's do something about it and for uh for san francisco i mean they look at their their cachet i mean they they were champions right they were the top the elite class of the nfl for a, a decade yep and so that lineage is still there. That pride is still there. And I think now, even though teams are younger these days, the fact that San Francisco came from nowhere, right? They came from a, a season where people thought Robert Sala should have been fired. Yep. They knew Kyle Shanahan couldn't go anywhere and, 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 uh, and Lynch because they guaranteed their contracts and locked in for six years. At, you can't fire us. Yeah. Right. And for six years, let us do our job. And when Jimmy G got hurt last year, it kind of took a lot of that 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 buzz and that that feel of the team uh, away from it. But now, tuned in, they've been the most dominant team in my estimation in the NFL from the beginning. Yeah, they really have. They well, really have. And how about the Jimmy G injury leads to the number two pick? You get a game changer on the edge like a Nick Bosa probably the best player on that dominant defense this year as a rookie. I think sometimes the NFL, would you agree, sometimes a stroke of luck is necessary to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it is. And as fans, we get so caught up in the moment, mm-hmm. right? What's happening right now, right? So when you look at what they were doing last year, you were like, oh, my God, it's terrible. Uh, you just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel because you're in the darkness. You're going through it. You're hating it. You hate watching the games because it seems like, you know, no one's playing. But if you watch those games last year, those guys played hard. They really did. They lost a bunch of close games. 
but they always came out and played hard. They lost a lot of those games in the fourth quarter late in those games Mm -hmm. when they just ran out of gas. They just didn't have the talent to take them to the next step of winning those close games. You fast forward a year later, that darkness has paid off because you do get a bolster. Yep. Right? You do get uh, some things and some some pieces and free agents, right? You, you, Richard Sherman, you get all of these people to come over, and now they're the cornerstones uh, of your defense. And, 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 I mean, this kid, um, what's his name, the running back? Uh, Mostert. Mostert. Raheem Mostert. Mostert. Good Lord. Yeah, I'll be yeah, having yeah, nightmares boy, about boy, him for a while Well, and I now. think, you know, I think it speaks to what you, you know, what you talked about. And they won all those games last year. They were close and won some of those games last year with a third string undrafted quarterback who nobody knew, you know, yeah. before, before his first start. I think maybe you see some of that metal sort of starting to develop there. The winning the games, even with that same thing the Saints sort of did this year. You see the, what a team is really made of when they're down like that and, and what they make out of those opportunities. Yeah, you know, it, it, and that, that's the part of the game people don't really talk about because it's not flashy, mm-hmm. right? It's not flashy. You can't coach that level of effort. Either it's in your players or not. Look at Miami this year. Miami has one of those teams, mm-hmm. right? Like, it was a fire sale for Miami. They got rid of Tunsil. They got rid of, like, they were just handing pieces away, <laughs> Yep. right? <laughs> and, 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 and you watched how hard those guys played, yeah. played including uh, Week 17 and beating the Patriots. That killed the Patriots. It killed them. Yes, that it did. loss eliminated the Patriots from uh, Super Bowl contention. Mm-hmm. It really did. We mm-hmm. all know without a, a first-round bye, they've never won the Super Bowl. They've all never well. made the Super Bowl. Yep. So, you know, Miami didn't want to hear that. Miami, the way they played, man, I'm telling you, Fitzmagic, as we like to call him, he came in. Uh, obviously, um, the young quarterback, uh, Josh Rosen, he just couldn't get it done. I feel so bad for that kid. I do, too. There's no mm-hmm. telling what's going to happen to him because yeah. you know they're going to replace him next year. Yep. But it, just the fight that Miami had, they're going to be one of those teams next year if they get the pieces at quarterback and get a, 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 another running back and maybe another receiver on the outside, they're going to be the team that sneaks up on people much like San Francisco did this year. Absolutely, and and they believe in it. They believe in each other. They believe in the coach, and that that obviously works a lot more than talent on the field when you actually believe you can do the job you're supposed to do. Now, for this game, for coming up in the Super Bowl, I know we only have you for a little bit, and we can't break down the game like we want to on this podcast, but we have San Fran, the best team in the NFC. We have Kansas City with the defending MVP, Patrick Mahomes, finally healthy again, throwing to a litany of offenses. Do you see that there's a a side in this game that has a clear advantage, or do you think it's going to be – I mean, I think it's going to be – a very exciting close game and who do you think is going to come out on top in the end i do think it's going to be an exciting close game but i'll tell you this if i would give any team an edge it would be the san francisco 49ers for mm. this reason the fact that they can rush and get pressure on the quarterback rush with four defenders is priceless mm. it is priceless remember when the giants squeaked their way into the playoffs and they went on that run, and they won that Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it was because Strahan, Justin Tuck, mm. all of uh, O.C. Humanier, all, all of those guys, those four defensive linemen were able to get after the Patriots and Tom Brady without 
bringing five and six. So now you can rush four, right, and cover with seven. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, we just watched. We just watched this past weekend, this Sunday, Tennessee rushed three players. Yep. Right? They rushed three players, and they dropped eight. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Mahomes was back there all day long. Imagine San Francisco rushing four players and being able to get to him, get him off his spot, and you still have those guys in the secondary outnumbering your eligible receivers. Mm. That is going to be the difference in this ball game. It really opens That's up amazing. your playbook defensively when you only have to rush four guys and you can leave the other seven to do whatever the hell you need them to do. <laughs> and you have a lockdown corner. Yep. Sherman's going right? to be an and issue. So think, think about that. Four defensive linemen that can get to the quarterback, and you have a locked down cornerback mm. that takes away a whole side of the field. Mm. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a juicy one. I cannot wait to see what happens coming up. But before we let you go, every athlete, every, everyone that comes on this show, we always ask them a hypothetical. You've heard our voices. You've heard us talking. I'm going to give you the hypothetical here. It's a football practice. We're all in pads. We're doing an Oklahoma drill. you got a block. You have Dangles uh, as your running back. He's the smallest of the three of us. You have yep. me and Drew on the other side trying to take Dangles down. A light feather could knock him over. Do we stand a <laughs> chance at taking Dangles down in an Oklahoma drill against you? No shot. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah. I am 5'8", yeah. 180 on a yeah. good day, so I'm going to need you to block for me. Your colleague, Ike Taylor. It's not even close. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we love the reactions. Your colleague, uh, Ike Taylor, his quote was, not a chance in hell. And I love the no shot, so we're going to add that to our quote, Mount Rushmore, my friend. Thank you yeah, for you, that. You, you, you can get, add some more people. You can get the cousins or whoever else cousins. you want. It, I'll block them all. Yeah. No because, look, if he stays behind me, you'll never get to him. <laughs> you'll uh, never get to him. Listen, I, I got a hell of a rip move. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, can't, you can't teach 6'7". What seven. you can do is you can rip yourself out of the play. That's right. <laughs> Right? Uh, so you can go on rip. You can take you and your your rip move and rip the hell on. <laughs> rip the hell on. Go ahead. One of you guys is going to get hurt. So okay. <laughs> whichever one you guys are, are willing to sacrifice, then go right ahead. Whoever uh, has the best insurance, then we'll pick that one. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Ephraim Salam on Twitter. He's at Ephraim Salam on Instagram. He's at Salam 74 my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy Absolutely. making your pizza. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Left Coaster. All right, folks, thank you for listening to the Left Coast Gamblers. Again, Tony Cavallo, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer, Crooks, and Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. That was a hell of an interview with big Mr. E. Oh, he Salam. was great, man. He's awesome. He was great. He's awesome. I was so happy to have that. Dangles, uh, you got anything to say before we uh, end up in Super Bowl week? It's going to be weird not seeing my Patriots in it for the first time in a few years. So uh, first time in the history of this podcast. First time in the history of this podcast, but I'm excited for what's going to be a barn burner of a football game. Yeah. Um, first time we won't be seeing C.J. Anderson or LeGarrette Blunt in seven years in a Super Bowl. Also Read that correct. today. That was, uh, that was interesting. But, hey, I'm stoked. I'm pumped for our show next week. Cannot our wait. Super Bowl preview show is going to be huge. We've got Cannot some really wait. cool guests lined up uh, some, for the show. Let's just put a little cliffhanger out there. We have a guest that will be attending the Super Bowl. And he Not as a fan. On the sidelines working. Ooh. Ooh. Who could it be? You'll have to tune in next week. And to just find for out. you, Herbert, it's 20, not Aaron Andrews. Sorry. Tw- 21 questions <laughs> starts now. And that's it for the Left Coast Gamblers Championship recap show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm excited for next week. And as always, Wait, Tony, oh, Tony, oh, oh, Tony, oh, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you get away with it. I thought you were going to rehash our fantasy uh, our fantasy pool, bud. You know, I was doing the numbers, I was, I was doing all the math and putting it all together, and then I lit the whole thing on fire.
Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on. <laughs> 